1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today we have a show devoted to preserving fertility even in the face of cancer. We're joined by OncoFertility Specialist, Dr. Karen Glass from the Create Fertility Center, and also by a very happy patient, Jessica Lang. I love her name too. It's the name of a movie star who was able to freeze <laughs> her embryos before cancer treatment and is now pregnant with her first child. They both join me today. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about our very esteemed doctor, Karen Glass. Dr Glass did her undergraduate training at the University of Western Ontario, her medical training at the University of Ottawa, and her postgrad training in obstetrics and gynecology at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. Dr Glass's interest in laparoscopic and hysteroscopic surgery brought her to Los Angeles and UCLA where she had a dual appointment in the divisions of REI and urogynecology. In 1999, she returned to Canada as assistant professor at McMaster University. And in 2002, Dr. Glass moved to Toronto to concentrate her efforts on REI and specifically Fertility Preservation in Oncology Patients. She joined the Create Fertility Centre, and she's been with them now for 20 years, I believe, which is pretty awesome. (laughs) Happy anniversary. She is also the Director of Fertility Preservation at the clinic. She's on staff at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre and Women's College Hospital, and she is also an Assistant Professor at the University of Toronto. She is currently the Chair of the FP Special Interest Group of CFAS, which stands for Canadian Fertility and Andrology Society. She received a prestigious grant as a co-investigator from CIHR and CBCF to study young women with breast cancer, which was known as the RUBY study. She also sits on the OncoFertility Working Group for Adolescent and Young Adult Oncology, which is part of Canadian Partnership Against Cancer, CPAC. In October 2015, Fertile Future honoured Dr. Glass for her work with young people with cancer. Dr. Karen Glass has spoken all across Canada on on oncofertility. She sees young cancer patients from all over Ontario as well who require consultation and help regarding their fertility preservation. Dr. Glass, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. It's so wonderful to have you here.
2: Thank you so much, Judy. It's a great pleasure to be here today.
1: We're so delighted, and we're also joined by one of your patients, and that is Jessica Lang, who was diagnosed with breast cancer at 33 years old and was told she needed to have surgery and treatment to remove it. After surgery, she was sent to the Create Fertility Clinic in Toronto to have her eggs retrieved as the cancer treatment could have hurt her ovarian reserve. She went to see Dr. Karen Glass at Create Fertility, and they decided to freeze her embryos Instead of her eggs, which we will explain later, as Jessica puts it, with Dr. Glass's amazing expertise, I was able to retrieve 33 eggs, all of which were fertilized, and then 15 survived to five-day blastocysts. This was a great turnout. After undergoing treatment for cancer on Valentine's Day this past February, they did an embryo transfer and found out 10 days later that they are pregnant and expecting their first child. Wow, Jessica, congratulations on that. This is pretty heady stuff.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me. Yes, I have to say that the whole process from the moment that I went to go see Dr. Glass to now, has gone so smoothly. We've really been able to successfully, you know, retrieve these embryos and we've been able to get pregnant. So I owe it to her. She's amazing. All the work we
1: create. Well, you're a great team, obviously, and that's so exciting and we are so happy for you. And I love also that this show is airing, I believe, before Mother's Day. So how fantastic is that? It's just all good stuff. Yeah. Dr. Glass, I'd love to ask you, I know that 50% of your practice is as an oncofertility specialist and you're one of the leading doctors in your field in Canada. Can you tell us what you do primarily as an oncofertility doctor?
2: So what I've done is develop a clinic and reserve time in our very busy schedules as fertility doctors. So normally our fertility patients might wait two or three months for a consultation. But obviously if you have cancer, you can't wait two or three months. You can't even wait two or three days. Mm -hmm. So we reserve a clinic and generally I see those patients within a day or two of receiving the referral because Mm -hmm. we know that this is an emergency situation. And the first thing that we'll do is we'll invite them to come and discuss what we do here and how it works. And we will explain what the options are. So for some patients, maybe they already have one child at home and they're happy just having one child. For some patients, they have no children at home and they're hoping to have a large family. And it also depends what cancer treatment they're going to receive. Some chemotherapy is less damaging to the ovaries, or maybe someone is going to have surgery and they're going to have only one ovary removed and they'll still have one ovary remaining. And so depending on the kind of cancer and depending on the kind of treatment they're going to receive for that cancer, they can decide what will be the best decision for them after we've gone over their options. Right. So for some people, they may be single and they'll freeze their eggs. For some people, they may be married and in a strong long-term relationship like Jessica and they'll choose to freeze their embryos. And for some patients, they may just decide that they want to take a medication to sort of protect their ovaries from the chemotherapy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's also patients that are going to have radiation and in those patients we can discuss surgical options such as moving the ovary out of the radiation field. Hmm. And there's some patients who don't have time to do IVF and there really is no option other for them than freezing some ovarian tissue. And so that's one of the newest fields that we're doing in the oncofertility population as doctors is doing a surgery, removing some ovarian tissue and then putting it in the freezer so we can transplant it back in when they're finished their cancer treatment.
1: So let's bring it back to Jessica. Jessica, I just want to ask you what happened and what led you to coming to see Dr. Karen Glass at Create Fertility. Can you give us more of a the story of what happened to you and the process that you went through to get to where you are today?
3: Sure. Um, so I was diagnosed with breast cancer, as you said, at 33. And then I went to see my oncologist. And the first thing she said to me was, let's freeze your eggs because I don't know if you're going to have to do chemo or not. Well, I went in uh, to see Dr. Glass, thinking to myself, oh, I wasn't even thinking about having children right away or anything like that. And then we went in and Dr. Glass said, hey, let's freeze some eggs. And at the time, it was my boyfriend, who's now my husband. And we decided, let's freeze embryos. So we did the surgery. And uh, like the surgery was the egg retrieval. And it was really successful.
1: Wow. Isn't that incredible? So you literally did the freezing of those embryos at the very beginning and then did you have chemotherapy or did you have some kind of treatment or surgery and then you came back to retrieve those embryos and make it all work? Was that sort of the order of how it happened?
3: So originally I was going to have to do chemotherapy, but I did a test called an oncotype test, which actually tests your risk of reoccurrence for your breast cancer And my risk came back really low. So they said, chemo is going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. So I was really lucky and I just had to do radiation. Actually, Dr. Glass also found a cyst on my ovary. So I had to have that surgery as well. And I had my ovary and um, a cyst removed. And I did my treatment. And then I came back to Dr. Glass this past February. And we were able to do the embryo transfer. Took our little embryos out of the freezer, and
1: <laughs> God bless those embryos, eh? Oh my goodness!
3: that <laughs> amazing? I remember when I first saw Dr. Blast for the first time. She said, "We're going to make you a popsicle baby,
2: kidsicle, <laughs> kidsicles." Popsicle. That's my nickname, <laughs> kidsicle. So we we call the frozen eggs eggsicles, and we call the frozen embryos kidsicles. Oh, um, that's for I mean, so cool. slang, like for slang, right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: I mean, it's pretty neat because I wasn't ready at that time to have children, but we decided we'd like to set ourselves up if I ended up having to do chemotherapy and I ended up having to remove an ovary. So it wow. was incredible that Dr. Glass was able to, I mean, getting 33 eggs was that was a great turnout, wasn't it, Dr. Glass? <laughs> it's amazing. That would be considered
2: above average. The <laughs> other thing I'd like to point out is that the majority of young women with breast cancer unfortunately do have to go through chemotherapy. Yeah. So Jessica was very lucky in that her surgeon referred her. So she got referred very, very early in the process so that she had time to make a decision. And in mm-hmm. some patients, they may not be as young as Jessica. They may not have as juicy ovaries as Jessica. And so if they're referred very early and they're old, or like maybe they're 38 or 39. They have time for them to actually do two cycles of IVF. So they could do a cycle of IVF and get a few eggs before their breast cancer surgery. And then they could do another IVF cycle and get a few more eggs after the surgery and before chemotherapy starts. Because the majority of young people with breast cancer unfortunately do end up needing to have the chemotherapy. Jessica was very, very lucky. Can you
1: explain the difference between freezing eggs and embryos for our listeners who might be wondering this as I was wondering this, how do you determine and how did you determine that in this case, it was the embryos that needed to be frozen?
2: So we talk to all patients and give them options. So the fertilized egg is just one cell. And that's the cell that each month when a woman has a period, an egg ovulates. And if you're pregnant, it would fertilize to go on to form a baby. And if you're not pregnant, then that egg would just melt away and you would have your period. So, an egg is just the one cell that gives half of the chromosomes to a future child. The other half of the chromosomes come from the sperm, of course, and putting them together is fertilizing the egg to make an embryo. And an embryo is the very early beginnings of a baby, of a child. And so in modern times, when we freeze an embryo, we let them grow in the incubator in the lab for about five days and Mm -hmm. then we would freeze it. So a cell is an egg is one cell and an embryo that's five days old has about 150 cells. So that's called a blastocyst.
1: That's called a blastocyst. Does it ever have to do with being single versus being married, choosing eggs versus embryos?
2: Of course. So if someone is 22 years old and they're coming in with a cancer that's going to require chemotherapy and they're single, they would choose to freeze eggs because they don't have a partner at that point. Mm -hmm. And if someone is coming in and they're engaged or in a very strong long-term relationship or married, especially if they already have children with that person, then they would usually choose to freeze embryos. But, you know, there is some stories, and because of the stories that we've heard from around the world of relationships that have sadly failed, one of the conversations I always have with people if they're choosing to freeze embryos is that if you are menopausal after your cancer treatment and you don't have any more eggs, you need to be very confident that this is the person that you want to have children with because you're only going to get one chance to make that decision.
1: And another question I'm sure people are thinking about, is there any limit on how long the eggs or embryos or sperm can be frozen?
2: So, that's an excellent question. Everybody always asks me that. And I always say, you know, it's not like chicken, it doesn't get freezer burned. So, (laughs) you can put those eggsicles and you can have your kids'icles and they can stay in the liquid nitrogen tanks in our clinic for one year, five years, 10 years, as long as need be until you're ready to use them to have your children. And so, from most of the research that's out there, we don't feel that there is damage over time. And that's very important because many of the patients who are coming in are very young. So if you're 22, you might not be ready to have kids until you're 35. So that would be there in the freezer for 13 years.
1: Wow. What are all of the options for cancer patients who are undergoing treatment to preserve fertility? I'm sure there's many other options as well.
2: Mm -hmm. And I think I just mentioned them a moment ago. I think I jumped on your question there. (laughs) But um, (laughs) so we always talk about option one, which is do nothing. So some patients may feel that, you know, for me, I have my one child and I'm just getting this kind of chemo that's not too damaging and I'll just figure out where life will take me later. Mm -hmm. So for patients who choose to do nothing right now and figure it out later, that if they had trouble in the future, plan A may have been to have their own child. Of course, that's everybody's plan A. But Mm -hmm. plan B might be to, if they were in trouble and they were unable to conceive with their own eggs, would be to use a either a donor egg from a known donor or an anonymous donor. So We talk about that there's always another plan and there's always a backup. Option two is always to do the IVF and go through the cycle and they can either freeze eggs or embryos depending on their marital status and their relationship status option three is that we have a medication that's called Lupron. And Lupron is a medication that will temporarily totally shut down the ovaries. Hmm. So if the ovaries are shut down and the woman is temporarily in a like hormonal medicated menopause, then less blood flow will go to the ovaries and less chemotherapy will go to the ovaries and there'll be less damage. So we can try to protect the ovaries from the chemotherapy. Now, if it was perfect, it would be like a policeman wearing a bulletproof vest. Hmm. We could put like a chemo-proof vest on the ovaries and protect them from having any damage at all. And then I wouldn't even have to do IVF. I would just give the ovaries this protection. And so we're doing some very interesting research with Dr. Lee and the Create IVF research team to try and figure out what we can do to protect the ovaries. But at this point, there's nothing that is exactly perfect, but we do have this medication that helps for about 15% of the damage. So instead of 100% of the damage, patients would get about 85% of the damage. So it's okay, but it's not perfect.
1: What about men with cancer and what can they do to preserve their fertility?
2: Yeah. So we do see gentlemen with oncology situations often as well. And for men, it's obviously so much easier to retrieve their sperm. They are able to just do an ejaculation and give us a sperm sample and then we can freeze the sperm and they will have it in the Mm -hmm. freezer. Again, it can stay there as long as need be. It can stay there for you know one year, five years, 10 years. And they're able to keep their sperm there for their future fertility as needed. Other
1: than breast cancer, what are some of the other common cancers that you see in young women and young men of reproductive age for fertility preservation?
2: So, breast cancer is probably about 50% of the population that I see. The other common ones that I see would be leukemia, lymphoma. Sadly, I've seen many young women with Mm. colon cancer at Mm. very young ages. Thyroid cancer, where they're going to have radioactive iodine, which can damage ovarian reserve. Uh, We see melanoma. Melanoma is quite common in a younger population. Mm. And I have a very large population of patients that have endometrial cancer. So that population goes about things in a little bit of a different way because most of the time we're able to reverse the endometrial cancer so they can proceed forward to carry their own baby without having a hysterectomy.
1: So is it safe to do IVF if you're a breast cancer patient or a
2: cancer patient? So Judy, that's an excellent question. One of the things I always talk about when I'm doing a consultation with a young oncofertility patient is could doing IVF cause you trouble? Could it make your cancer get worse? Could it lead you to a situation where your cancer can't be cured? Right. And so there's a couple of factors that are important there. One is, how long does it take to do IVF? And so for the last probably five to 10 years, we've done what's called random start IVF. So that means anywhere in the cycle, we can start fertility medications and move as efficiently as possible to get to the egg retrieval. So in the long time past, 20 years ago, we only knew how to do IVF where you started medications when you had a period on day two or three. So there could be quite a delay to being able to get to start. But nowadays we know that we can start at any point in the cycle, and so there's not really a delay. So usually at the same time that patients are doing their monitoring and growing their eggs and getting to an egg retrieval, the oncology team is ordering testing. So they wouldn't have started their chemo anyway. They're in the middle of having a CT scan, an MRI scan, a PET scan. And so while all that testing is getting done, I keep doing my job and usually by the time I have their eggs out, the oncologist is ready to start the chemotherapy or do the cancer surgery. That's fantastic. The other thing is, is could the hormones that we give from the IVF cause the cancer to get worse? And so we use special medications during the stimulation, and one of those medications is called letrozole. Letrozole is actually a treatment for breast cancer, Hmm. and it's a pill that keeps the estrogen levels very low and under control so that the hormones don't rage and go crazy during the IVF cycle. And because we use that medication every day during the stimulation, when we finish the IVF, the hormones are usually in approximately the same place they would have if a woman was just ovulating normally. We've also done research studies and we've taken breast cancer patients and said, let's look at the group that decided to do IVF and let's look at the group that decided not to do IVF for personal reasons and let's follow them for five years or 10 years and let's see if the cancer came back more commonly or didn't go away in one of the groups or the other. And in that research, we found that there was really no difference, Hmm. that the IVF did not affect the long-term outcome of the cancer. So, we feel that, yes, it's safe to do
1: that's great that is so incredible half of your work is this work and I think it must be so gratifying What is the most gratifying part of what you do?
2: Oh, that's easy. If you could see the walls of my office now, you would see hundreds and hundreds of baby pictures. And to know that a young woman or a young man had cancer and was able to get through it and be cured of their cancer and then move on in their life and meet their partner, or if they were already partnered up, be able to move forward with their partner to want to conceive. And for us to take that sperm or eggs or embryo and create a life and transfer the embryos and to see them get pregnant and go on to have a baby is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly rewarding. I always say that Mother's Day is my favorite holiday because I'm a mother to thousands and thousands and thousands of babies that I've helped create.
1: That's so wonderful. And I know that, and I'm not just saying this because I obviously am fond of the Create Fertility Center, but (laughs) I know that they are really at the forefront of this type of treatment of fertility preservation. What does Create Offer that makes them and you really at the cutting edge and makes them stand out from all the rest? What characterizes you guys?
2: So first of all, experience. Mm-hmm. We're not just trying to figure this out and we haven't done it for a year or two. we We've been, I- I've been here doing this for 20 years. So I think experience is so, so important. And then of course, we have a wonderful lab. If you put your eggs or your embryos in a lab that doesn't really know how to look after eggs and embryos, then when you thaw them out, they're probably not going to stick and grow. So I think you have to have a wonderful lab. We have a wonderful team of embryologists and ultrasound technicians and my admin team. And I think the fact that they all work together and they have jumped hurdles for our oncology patients to make sure we've done retrievals on Christmas. We've done, you know, retrievals on Easter. We've made sure that if it has to get done because there's a cancer. Cancer treatment coming, we'll get it done. Mm-hmm. I think we also have some advanced abilities in our clinic that other clinics don't have specifically relates to cancer. For instance, we have our own in-house genetic program. Mm-hmm. So some of our patients may find out that they have a mutation that makes them more at risk to have cancer, such as BRCA or mm-hmm. Lynch syndrome. And so some patients might choose to test their embryos to find out if that gene mutation is in their embryo, because they may want to make sure that that's not passed on to their children. Mm -hmm. Well, most clinics don't have the ability to do that in-house. I believe we're the only ones in Canada that have that. And so that's an incredibly important part of the Oncofertility Program here. Well, isn't
1: that in a sense what's happened with your patient, Jessica Lang, is that you have sort of stopped future cancer in its tracks, as it were, by doing all of what you do.
2: Exactly. So, of course, that's Jessica's personal and private information. So we need her to (laughs) share the story about it. But exactly the same situation happened when she discovered that she had a mutation that led her to have breast cancer. We were able to ensure that the next generation, her family, will not have that increased predisposition and hopefully won't have breast cancer at such a young age
1: such incredible stuff. Jessica, I have to get back to you and say, how are you feeling? And how are you preparing for the birth of your child?
3: I'm feeling good. I mean, initially, you're so excited to be pregnant, right? You find out 10 days after the transfer that you're pregnant. And then I feel like my hormones started going crazy and I felt pretty nauseous. So let's say I had a good like you know, maybe eight weeks, I was feeling really nauseous. But everyone kept saying, just get to that 12 weeks. So now I'm there at 13 weeks, and I'm feeling so much better. And now I'm feeling more excited, you know, because after everything we've been through, my husband and I just can't believe that we're here right now. And we had such a good experience getting pregnant that we're excited.
1: That's so great. What are you looking forward to the most?
3: Well, probably like after giving birth and having I just found out it's a girl too, so we're excited about that. But oh, like, yes. Having my test is just like that would—I think—that would be a magical feeling as a new mom. But also, like what we have been thinking about so much is the fact that I did find out that I have the check two breast cancer gene. Mm-hmm. My mom got breast cancer last year after me, and mm-hmm. so we said we got to get tested. I got to find out if I have this genetic mutation, and mm-hmm. I did. And so then Create was able to find which embryos didn't have that mutation. So I was able to, I think it was like 50% of them uh, had the check 2 breast cancer gene. So I was able to, well, Dr. Glass was able to choose us an embryo that was genetically perfect. And we won't be passing that down to our children, which to me, like every time I think about that, I get goosebumps.
1: You're stopping it in its tracks. You're stopping in its tracks and you're moving forward with health and wellness and so excited for you and so thrilled. I hope you're going to let me know so that we can maybe tell the listeners the wonderful news. And um, I, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you right now, because we're talking about this. What is bliss for Jessica Lang?
3: Oh, what is bliss? Who you got me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> being cancer free and starting a family and yeah. continuing a healthy life and being able to, you know, be here and do this you know, like live, live a healthy life and um, be cancer-free. I just think, I think right now, you know, in the world we're living in, it's, it's complicated to begin with. Life is complicated, but when you kind of break it down, um, we have so much. And so where we're at right now, it feels
1: like bliss. Oh, that's so great. I'm so happy for you and excited for you. And Dr. Glass, what is bliss for you these days? (laughs)
2: So, every time I see the positive pregnancy test of a patient that has been cured of cancer and brought back and been able to use their eggs and their embryos to conceive, that is bliss for me. Like, who can go to work and have such a wonderful thing to be able to say they did that day at work? We get so excited and the nurses know they put little hearts on my blood sheet when there's a new pregnancy around it. And uh, we have an expression at work when we see a new pregnancy and we're like, new one, new one, new one. (laughs) And so for me, for sure, to know that someone has been cured of cancer and is now going to be able to move forward and have their life stream to be a mother. And for Jessica to be able to have a little girl that is not going to have this, high risk of breast cancer like she and her mother had, um, that to me is bliss.
1: That is sheer bliss. I I would have to agree with that as well. What is the best way for people to contact you, Dr. Glass, and get in touch with you regarding oncofertility and fertility in general?
2: Yeah, so in Ontario, uh, patients officially do need a referral. So they just have their doctor fax it or email it over to create, and uh, we can send you all that contact information. But um, in an oncology emergency, I tell my patients, you know, they could literally just call our office and say, hey, I have cancer, but I haven't been referred yet. I need to see you. And, you know, we would get the ball rolling to see them, and we would know that the paperwork would follow. We're really fortunate to work with excellent cancer centers from all over Ontario that know how to reach us. I think in an average day, I get a couple text messages or emails from an oncologist every single day, even on weekends, saying, uh, hey, I need you. And how can we get the ball rolling for a patient?
1: What a wonderful service you're providing. It's really, it's such a blessing. And Really, kudos to you and to create. I want to thank you both so much for being here today. Jessica Lang. thank you so much for sharing your story and your good news. We're so excited for you and best of luck and congratulations.
4: Thank you.
1: All the best to you and to your husband and your new family. And Dr. Glass, so great to have you on Finding Your Bliss today. And thank you for all the wonderful work that you do in this world.
2: Thank you so much, Judy. It was a pleasure to be here today.
1: We loved having you. I'm so glad we could make it happen. We're going to go on a short commercial break, more with Finding Your Bliss when we come back. And we will meet ICRF President Bonnie Fish and ICRF Executive Director Jennifer Oaknine, who will talk about some exciting cancer research and a wonderful 20th anniversary Women of Action event to raise funds for cancer research. All of this and more coming up right after this short commercial break. Back in a moment.
5: Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years.
0: CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together.
1: We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And I want to tell you about my next illustrious guests. But first, I have to mention that I've been part of an incredible charity for years now called ICRF, which stands for Israel Cancer Research Fund. And for almost 50 years now, ICRF has worked at the forefront of the fight against cancer, and they've been integral to some of this decade's most exciting developments in cancer research. They've done this by investing in the best and brightest Israeli scientists and putting on some great events to raise funds for cancer research, such as the Women of Action Celebration, which is celebrating their 20th anniversary Congratulations. That's so amazing. Women of Action recognizes outstanding women, like my two guests, who have made a difference through their achievements, leadership, and dedication in the business, medical, and philanthropic communities. And we're going to hear more about all of this today. But first, let me tell you about the board president of ICRF for three years now and going strong, and that is Bonnie Fish, and the executive director of ICRF, Jennifer Oaknine. Let me tell you a little bit more about these two amazing women. Bonnie Fish is a partner at the Toronto law firm of Fogler rubinoff LLP, and as mentioned, is the board president of Israel Cancer Research Fund. Bonnie has been the president of ICRF for over three years now, and she also sits on the International Board of Trustees. Bonnie is also a co chair of ICRF's upcoming signature event, Women of Action, which takes place on Sunday. May 15th at the Oakdale Golf and Country Club. Jennifer Oaknine is the Executive Director of the Israel Cancer Research Fund in Toronto. Jennifer is a leader with a proven track record for delivering strong results in fundraising, event planning and execution and management expertise. Prior to working in the not-for-profit world, Jennifer had a long and successful career in banking, serving the needs of their high net worth clients. As Executive Director of ICRF, Jennifer works passionately with volunteers and staff and a wide spectrum of donors in the community to raise funds for vital cancer research. Jennifer is engaged in many fundraising events for ICRF and currently she is spearheading the Women of Action event. Bonnie and Jennifer, longest intro ever. <laughs> Welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Great to have you here. Thank
6: you. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you.
1: Bonnie Fish, the motto of ICRF is the answer to cancer is research. ICRF funds research, not bricks and mortar. Can you tell us more?
6: Yes. I mean, one of the reasons I joined this organization a number of years ago when I first joined the board was because I was so impressed with the fact that it was an organization dedicated to research, not to building buildings and putting people's names on buildings. I lost a friend to cancer and I was motivated to find a place where uh, a charity that would be devoted to finding answers to the terrible issues that plague us in the cancer realm and ICRF is an organization that devotes all of its funds to cancer research.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's so incredible. Can you tell us Bonnie a little bit more about the important discoveries that ICRF has funded?
6: Sure. There's been many, many different discoveries in cancer research that have been spearheaded by ICRF researchers. There have been discoveries in tumor suppression in leukemia, in breast, ovarian, AIDS-related cancers, in breast cancer and the BRCA2 gene, Mm. multiple myeloma. There's also been improved uh, cancer treatments that ICRF scientists have discovered in respect of chemotherapies and immunotherapies, and there are a number of drugs that have also been developed as a result of this research.
1: Absolutely. Jennifer, I understand that ICRF has also been, as Bonnie just mentioned, involved in the development of important drug therapies. Can you mention what some of these are and elaborate on this?
5: Sure. Uh, One of the drugs specifically would be Doxil and another would be Gleevec. Those are the two major breakthroughs that ICRF has been a part of. Gleevec specifically is for acute myeloid leukemia, actually chronic myeloid leukemia, my apologies, CML, and um, it's keeping hundreds of thousands of people alive by just taking one pill a day. And actually, um, we're very proud to say that our largest, one of our largest donors to ICRF Toronto, in fact, is a leukemia survivor, thanks to Gleevec.
1: Wow. So you actually saw the fruits of your own labor, that something that was developed through ICRF is helping one of the people that you work with.
5: That's correct. Yeah. It's not often that we get to meet survivors who, you know, who have actually taken the medication that we were a part of you know, the beginning of it all. But when we do, it's a very, very proud moment indeed. Yes.
1: Wow, that's so incredible. Yeah. What I also love about this charity is that you're very discriminating, Bonnie, at ICRF. Can you tell us more about how the research funds are very carefully allocated?
6: Yes. Our research funds are allocated based on a scientific research panel that's convened every March in New York. In the last two years, it's been virtual, but generally speaking, in person in New York. It's composed of researchers, scientists, and doctors from all over North America, some from our very own sick kids, Princess Margaret, and other Toronto and Canadian hospitals and institutions. And they sit and review every single grant proposal that's come out of Israel from a multitude of institutions. They review them, they rank them, and then we fund as many as possible that come within the the highest ranks of the uh, review process.
1: That's so incredible, and I've heard you have some new news that there are exciting new cancer research grants that will soon be available for funding with the potential of some very promising pediatric cancer research grants in the area of blood cancer, brain cancer, and even Ewing sarcoma. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this year alone, so the new grants that we will be looking at funding uh, for the 2022-2023 calendar funding year have not been fully approved yet, but have all been reviewed and scored. And we will be finding out soon which ones have made the cut. And we are hoping to, of course, fund as many as possible. But unlike other years, we received a lot of pediatric research grants. And Hmm. that's very, you know, exciting and promising for those who have been impacted by pediatric cancers. And uh, Hmm. it just shows that there are some incredible research grants out there that will be funded by ICRF and potentially by specific donors in our communities. And Ewing sarcoma, as you mentioned, is a very rare cancer. And uh, I do happen to know a family who was impacted by Ewing sarcoma, so we'll be very happy to hear that we will have a grant dedicated to that type of research.
1: I-, I couldn't get over, and I think I might have heard this from Bonnie Fish, that ICRF has raised over eighty 82- two million U.S. dollars in support of more than 2,600 research grants. This is really heady stuff. Jennifer, can you tell us more about how the funds are raised?
5: Absolutely. I mean, ICRF traditionally has been known for its incredible events. So a lot of our fundraising dollars do come through our incredible events that we host. And, you know, we've got them in Toronto, in Montreal, in Israel, Chicago, New York. So we're or worldwide. But uh, in addition to that, we we definitely rely on our incredible communities to support us through, through general donations, through tribute cards, and through major gifts, of course. So we definitely have some incredible transformational gifts, which have really moved the needle for Israel Cancer Research Fund. And by that, I mean, specific families stepping up and making huge gifts to ICRF. So that is where we really make our biggest mark and where we can really fund as much research as possible because at the end of the day, that's what we're here for.
1: That's incredible. Yeah. Bonnie, ICRF is a vehicle through which Canadians can support Israel's relentless pursuit of scientific innovation and its commitment to cure cancer through research. How can people donate? How can people get started?
6: Well, we have, there's a number of ways in which they can do that, but the best way is to give Jennifer Nine a call and say, your interest <laughs> all the information you absolutely need. We have a very robust website that talks about a lot of the things that we're doing, including the events that we're hosting, including Women of Action. And uh, we have a lot of information available to people who are interested in funding specific kinds of cancer research. We have information about the ongoing research that's happening. We can connect people with researchers. We can connect people with New York if they're interested to hear more about the research process. So there's a lot of information available. But first and foremost... I would suggest you go to our website to have a look and see what ICRF, Israel Cancer Research Fund, is up to. There's information there about connecting to Jennifer and to others on our administrative team to make a donation.
1: That's so phenomenal. Well, this is the 20th anniversary. I can't believe it. What a milestone of the Women of Action event, and it's going to be held in person, we pray. Um, I'm going to say yes, that it will be on May the 15th at the Oakdale Golf and Country Club. Jennifer, can you tell us more about this exciting upcoming event?
5: Yeah, absolutely. We are um, in the thick of it, that's for sure. Uh, We have raised significant dollars towards this event to date. And we are just really, really excited to be hosting, hopefully, you know, anywhere between two to three hundred people in person. If not more, we can accommodate for more, of course. It'll be a luncheon. So it'll start at 1130 and will typically end at around 2 p.m. And it will consist of, you know, a visit from our Consul General from Israel, Shania Zulai. We will have musical performances there, which I'm sure we'll speak a little bit more in depth about. We will have just a lovely afternoon honoring our incredible honorees. We have Holly Miklas, which is our inspirational honoree, Joan Garson, our community honoree, Dr. Anna Goldenberg, our scientific honoree, and Michelle Roth, our business honoree. It's gonna be a beautiful day.
1: Wow, I also understand That there's going to be musical performances at this event. And I know this because (laughs) my daughter, Lily Liebrach, is one of the singers, along with the very talented Hallie Burnett. And they both are going to be accompanied by world-renowned composer, Jack Lenz, which is very exciting. And I should also say that Ellen Schwartz is going to be involved in one of the musical performances as well as a tribute to her son, Jacob Schwartz. So it's very exciting stuff. Is there going to be food at this event?
5: They're, they're Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: I have to say that Bonnie Fish is a foodie, and is a gourmet cook, and really a superb gourmet cook. And I'm not talking about for ten people or for, you know fifteen people, but sometimes for seventy five people at a time. So if anyone knows about food, it's Bonnie Fish. Bonnie, what is the exciting food and drink going to consist of? at oh, this it? it?
6: <laughs> it's going to be. I I don't want to give it away, but there's going to be really delicious food. It's going to be a wonderful luncheon and. Lots of opportunity to connect with friends and uh, meet people you know and people you don't know. And I think it's going to be just a great event.
1: And in person, I mean, can we even imagine? Like, here we are, we're meeting virtually. We're not actually conducting this interview at Zoomer Radio due to the pandemic. And so just the thought of actually being in person, you know, wearing something other than, you know, (laughs) leggings or sweats. (laughs) (laughs) That in itself is very... (laughs)
6: the beauty of the venue that we chose Oakdale golf and country club is that we have both outdoor and indoor seating options which makes it comfortable for everybody who's attending so i really welcome everyone and and there are tickets on sale on our website please join us we'd love to see everyone and and i'd like actually jennifer to talk about the raffle because there's lots of people who can't come for sure you know aren't aren't available on that date and and i'd love her to talk about what's available to them aside from attendance.
5: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Actually, hopefully this coming Monday, we should be launching our raffle ticket sales, which are usually uh, like a hot ticket at the Women of Action luncheon. We will have incredible raffle prizes available. Gifts from Mark Lash, Royale de Versailles. We've got the Lonsdale Gallery. We've got a donation from Candy Gallery, which is Neil Dankoff. We have uh, donations from Dyson, Susie Rohr, just a ton of unbelievable items that are going to be up for grabs. And, uh, you know, great opportunity to not only contribute towards cancer research, but also be the potential winner of one of the incredible prizes. <laughs> you,
1: sold that, you sold me. <laughs> told you sold me. I sold you.
6: Yeah. And the raffle's open to anyone who wants to purchase a ticket, whether sure. you can attend or not. So just visit our website, and buy a raffle ticket, and, you know, Roll
1: the dice. That's right. (laughs) That's so exciting. So tickets are now on sale for this event, and people can get in on this right away, guys. I encourage you to for the raffle tickets, to help cancer research. So many great reasons to be involved. All you have to do is go to the Women of Action 2022 website, and you do that by going to www.womenofaction.crowdchange.net. And if people want to just know more about ICRF or Women of Action, what is the best way they can do so?
5: They can give me a call. Uh, I can be reached at 647-973-4273. And again, my name is Jennifer and I'm the director of the charity. I can answer any calls you have about sponsorships, attendance, raffle, just anything you need to know. And any questions about ICRF, of
1: course. That's awesome. And as well, you can also contact Jennifer by just going to her email address, which is joknine at icrf.ca. That's J-O-U-A-K-N-I-N-E at I-C-R-F C-A. What is bliss these days for Bonnie Fish?
6: My greatest bliss is raising money for cancer research, because I really do believe, and I echo the sentiments in our recent mailer that went out, Sentiments by Ellie Wiesel, that I have great faith that some of the great discoveries in cancer research will come out of Israel, and I I feel great pride in working for this organization, which really is devoted to cures and treatments for cancer.
1: I love that. You're doing such incredible work. I think you are just one of the most outstanding presidents. And I know Jennifer will agree. And you've just done some unbelievable things in your reign thus far. So continued success. And thank you so much. And Jennifer, what is bliss for Jennifer Oaknine these days?
5: I think it's just being surrounded by like-minded people with common goals. And I think that's just, I think primarily that's my executive team and my board at ICRF Toronto and of course, that extends to my, my home and my family as well. But, uh, you know, the common goal of raising much needed critical funds for cancer research, because at this point, unfortunately, so many of us have been touched by cancer, family members, extended family, friends, colleagues. So we're all in it together. And a breakthrough in Israel is a breakthrough for the world.
1: Absolutely. So if you just want to just even go to the website, the actual website just alone is
5: www.icrf.ca.
1: That's phenomenal. I want to thank you both so much, Bonnie Fish and Jennifer Oaknine, for being on Finding Your Bliss today. It's been delightful having you here.
6: Thank you. Thank you so much for having us, Judy. It's, It's just been a pleasure. Thank you, Judy. So
1: much fun. Thank you so much. We're going to go on a short commercial break. and we come back, more of Finding Your Bliss with celebrated musician, composer, and filmmaker, the acclaimed Jack Lenz. We'll be right back, back in a moment.
5: Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years.
0: CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days. Remembering that life is about moments that we create together.
1: We are back and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio AM 740 FM 96.7. And I'm so happy to tell you about our esteemed featured artist today. And that is producer, composer, and musical director Jack Lenz, who's been an illustrious guest on our show before. And he's back on today with a magnificent song that he created. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about Jack Lenz. Jack Lenz creates music for films, TV series, sports teams, social awareness projects, musicals, and some of the most magnificent songs for artists to record. Throughout his prolific career, Jack has produced films and TV series and music-based feature documentaries as well as having composed music for motion pictures, television documentaries, Canadian news programs, and award shows. His greatest love is making music for the Baha'i community. He's also best known for the Toronto Blue Jays theme song, OK Blue Jays, and for the series Goosebumps and his score in The Passion of the Christ. He has also written songs for Andrea Vicelli, Celine Dion, Buffy St. Marie, and the Canadian Tenors. His primary interest is to support children and families dealing with severe disabilities. And his beautiful daughter, Mercy, has given him this sense of mission for the disabled. But today, we're playing a song that Jack Lenz wrote about cancer and its impact on so many lives. The subject is very close to his heart, as his mother died of cancer when he was only in his teens. And as he says, quote, I can still feel her loss and pray for her every day. The song is called Where There Is Love. And it's based on a quote that Jack loves. And it goes like this, where there is love, nothing is too much trouble. And there is always time to love. Jack's song is being sung today by Ma'an Dionisio, who was the Canadian star of Miss Saigon. And as Jack says, Ma'an is so sweet and brought such a sweetness to this song and lyric. So without further ado, here is Where There Is Love, written and composed by the amazing Jack Lenz. Love is pure,
4: love is kind, love is ever all. More than fancy's flight Love is like the candle's light
1: was so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your magnificent gift with all of us today. Also, Jack Lenz is going to be accompanying Hallie Burnett and Lily Liebrach, who are both singing at the 20th anniversary ICRF Women of Action event to raise funds for cancer research. For more on the tremendously gifted Jack Lenz, please visit his website at JackLinsmusic.com. Each week we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please write to us at at findingyourbliss.com. Or if you're anyone who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. You can write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. All you have to do is search up Judy Liebrach. And of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. In Bliss News, we're excited to share news about the 2022 Toronto International Storytelling Festival, which is running from May 6th to May 15th. A member of the Board of Directors of Storytelling Toronto, Brian Nazamuk, will be featured as both an artist and a host in a number of shows throughout the festival. And he has also curated some of these shows as well. To buy tickets for this exciting festival, all you have to do is go to StorytellingToronto.com. I would like to thank all of our wonderful guests for being on the show today. Thank you to Dr. Karen Glass and Jessica Lang, and to ICRF President Bonnie Fish and Executive Director Jennifer Oaknine. As well, a big thank you to the incredible Jack Lenz. Also, a very special thank you to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kiley, Associate Producer and Audio Engineer Naira Amani, Senior Editor Lauren Kaminsky video editor Beatrice Pardal, audio producer Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Lee Brack, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.